0: Welcome all you fellow Arcanists out there to the Frith Guild Podcast, where we explore an amazing world full of mystical creatures and their partners. Our hosts are Eric Smith and Scott Wareham, and they'll be your guides along this journey through pirate-infested waters. So grab your Eldrin, strap on your swords, and get ready to defend the seas from evil. Throughout the series, if you have not caught up to the chapters being discussed today, we urge you to hit the pause button, grab your copy of this wonderful book, and catch up. We'll be here when you get back. This week, we'll be exploring chapters 11 through 15 of Dread Pirate Arcanist. Ilya discovers that Callisto, the captain of the Third Abyss, who intentionally gave Rillin the Griffin the Arcane Plague, killed Ilya's parents and fed Ilya's eye to his manticore, is going to be on the pirate island of Port Crown. And while Volk visits the Grand Apothecary in Fortuna to get his Wendigo bite treated, Ilya takes the opportunity to sneak in and leaves with the deadliest poison in the world. King Basilisk Feta. Guess what she plans to do with it? But before we get into the book, let's look at two more pieces of advice from the series. Step 5 on the Pillar of Ruma says Patience. Without it, we cannot see a seed grow into a tree. And step 14 says Restraint. Without it, we harm ourselves and our surroundings. With that ominous foreshadowing, let's join Eric and Scott and get into chapters 11 through 15 of Dread Pirate Arcanist.
1: Welcome back to the Frith Chronicles Podcast, where we have our co-host, Scott, with us today.
2: Hey, everyone. Glad to be here. Another exciting chapter.
1: And today we're going to be going through chapters 11 through 15 in the Dread Pryor Arcanus series. And we're going to kick things off in chapter 11. So starting off, my my first thought in this set of chapters, or you know, chapter 11 at least, is Volk is always getting hurt. Like, he... Got bit by the Windigo, but actually like knows that he's gonna get healed this time, right?
2: And yeah, then... and I think think getting healed is is a big one this time. It's it's a little more physical. You know, okay, there's somebody out there with magic that can cure this.
1: Instead of just hey, we're gonna go to this random island and and we know oh. that there's a you know, apothecary there, so we're just gonna go to this random island that nobody knows about. And then, uh, so while we're while we're in the bottom of the ship, Volk is kind of trying to heal, but. His arm not really healing because of the Wendigo bite. Um, Ilya does come down and uh, to, comes to talk to him because she needs a distraction to get into the Grand Apothecary. And she doesn't really tell us anything about this. She's just like, hey, I'm going gonna... to, I need a distraction. And this is kind of something where Volk gets kind of nervous about. He Ultimately, he does agree because Ilya's his sister, right? And yeah, then... and I,
2: I, I think Luthair helps point him in the right direction and and i think this is a cool moment with luther because you see it's not just right wrong by the rules it's also you know stick with your family stick with your friends so kind of another dimension to some of the the moral standards that he holds himself to
1: when even luther does point out we did something for or Ilya did something for us without question so you know kind of should return that favor so Zelfry finally does come down, and he starts to explain kind of what's happening, where they're going to go. And Volks actually got to play this off, like he doesn't know that this happened before. So they they finally do get to Fortuna, and this is another point where we get another depiction that Arcanists are actually held to a very high regard. Like it's not just oh they're another person, they're you know this that and the other. They're they're held to a higher regard by normal Denzians and people that are not Arcanists. They They part the way, like the Red Sea, you know, like they give nods and they do signs of respect. They get out of the way. They, they, they do everything they can to help out Arcanists when they see him.
2: Yeah. And this, I think is a great reference point. You know, we spend so much time where all the characters are Arcanists. So you sort of lose sight of how they fit into the broader society. So it's, it's nice to kind of get that glimpse back of comparing them back to you know, their lives beforehand or, or kind of the broader society. It's nice
1: that she keeps bringing these up on occasion of like, hey, here's normal people, here's non-magical people, you know, here's their respect. As they, they walk over to the Apothecary, uh, Volk does kind of like start asking Zelfry about when they're going to be taking on the Dread Pirate Callisto because, you know, Volk did kind of say, hey, we're going to take him out, you know. The Frith Guild is going to take care of the Third Abyss. Don't worry about it, Landon. I kind of feel like Folk didn't really have an appropriate place to say that. Same time, I feel like...
2: He signed himself up for a lot, too. You get the (laughs) feeling from Zelfry that this isn't just the average ship that you're going to go take on. So he really dug himself into a hole with some of those promises.
1: And even like Zelfry's like, no, absolutely not. We will have nothing to do with this. The Frith Guild will have more than likely nothing to do with this. But if it does come to us it's not gonna be us this time, okay? We are not dealing with this." And it, I, I kind of feel like, I don't know if it's uh, him just being worried about his his apprentices, or if this is kind of like, kind of foreshadowing to later books. But, I mean, Zelfry does have a pretty adamant uh, voice about not wanting to do anything with Third Abyss.
2: Yeah, and, and I think it kind of points to two things. One, like you said, Zelfry trying to stay as far away from Callisto as possible. But also a little more insight into this, you know, softer side of Zelfry where I'm really, really concerned about my apprentices. Like, I need to make sure I I lost them in the past and I can't let that happen again. So it's this softer side that you don't get as much in, in the first book that we really start to see come out. And that's, you know, a great character arc for him.
1: It's no longer just straight sarcasm and, you know calling them names it's actually like <clears throat> hey i actually care for you and please don't die i'd really not like to have that happen again so they they're getting pretty close to the apothecary and zelfry actually stops on the point and he you know turns around and volk turns around the same you know similar time and he sees what he thinks is nicolin and granted he's looking for nicolin so he knows nicolin's probably there and that's where Ilya is too but i feel like this is where Zelfry kind of catches Ilya too, right?
2: He, he gives it away a little. He seems like he knows what's going on, but he's holding his cards close to his chest. He doesn't want to call anything out, but you know, it, it definitely I think puts him on edge to look for things. Kind of, you know, once they get to the apothecary, keeping his eye out and seeing, you know, is something going on that I don't know about.
1: Yeah, I, I love Zelfry's like final remarks before he starts knocking on the door to the apothecary. Is your, your answers to a one-word response. Do not engage a conversation at all costs, basically.
2: And I know when I first read that, my thought is we're going to open the door to the darkest grim reaper of, of cranky old men that is just here to give us some sarcastic remarks. So Zelfry really sets the stage up for for kind of the next few chapters and their time there.
1: Especially with that title, Grand Apothecary, and you're just like, oh my gosh, like, what are what are they getting into? Like, is this worth it almost?
2: Yeah, sell my soul <laughs> to get a cure for this, time to deal.
1: Right. <laughs> so we get into Chapter 12, where we meet the Grand Apothecary Lady Gilead Dravon. I, I always love when we're introduced to Master Arcanist, because most of the time we, we get a really good description of, and Sheba does a really good, good job with describing their facial features in, in the sense of they're... We don't know how old they are, but realistically, like you can tell they're maybe they're in their 40s, which for an arcanist like okay, they're probably centuries old at this point. But one thing that she does really emphasize with these arcanists um is their their laugh lines or basically like their Kofi. And I love how that kind of like gives you a feeling of how how they are, how they, you know, side like uh she's described with the laugh lines, and same with uh, Lady Drava, Drava, Draven. Lady Draven, and as soon as we meet her, she's just this like springy, buoyant kind person. You almost
2: couldn't sink, you know. No, she is. She is great, and she's the exact type of person you want to be around. And I think you can instantly tell. Elfrid wanted both to stay quiet. He he wanted to make sure she was not getting any leverage that she could hold against her, or, or anything she could poke fun at.
1: But he's such a sourpuss. Like, I think she even calls him something similar to that. Like, come on, dude, relax a little bit.
2: Yeah, he teases him kind of throughout the chapter. And you almost get the vibe of of some flirty, flirty comments. So is there sexual tension between them? What's the vibe there? Is she being flirty? Is she just being friendly? There's a lot under the covers that's hard to tell with her.
1: Yeah. And then we meet our new Eldrin, one of the new Eldrin in the series, a mystical creature, her Eldrin is Alana and her Eldrin is a Caladrius and they're described as a pure white that would put the snow to shame. They have a parrot-like face, a gold beak, and they're very small, very small even for being a fully grown centuries old mystical creature. And Volk's even commenting about how small the Caladrius or Alana is and then it's like well don't don't they grow over time and I uh, I love how uh Gilly's just like, Yeah, go go check out that one over in the cage, you know, and he goes and looks and it's literally like the size of a hummingbird, I think is what they say.
2: And there this is kind of, you know, the second second elder that we come into contact with that's known for its healing power. So there's no, you know, direct comparison between the Phoenix and the Calderius, but it's it's interesting to see some of the overlap between it and some of the, you know. Unique and, and not so many unique abilities that are are between the different Algern.
1: Like both a Phoenix and a Caladris can heal, but Caladris are known mainly to heal, not where Phoenixes can, you know, submit fire. But I like that there's a variety, I guess. So we do we do a little bit more information about the plague. And being in the apothecary, at least, we, we get a little bit better information about um, what's going on behind the scenes of curing the plague and... Gilly discusses that she is researching for the cure for the plague, but she doesn't have a cure for it. She just has something that can kind of start to slow the effects, and and I mean, at least you know that she's working in the right direction with it. And he makes a comment about like she actually wants to see a Wendigo or have a Wendigo, so that way she can, you know I don't say do more tests, but you know, try to try to work on some other things that she has in the in the works for it, as far as the plague goes. And then we we get a our first. I think this is our first, like, factual true forms do exist in the series. And because she asked about the Wendigo, whether it's on four legs or two legs. And I have to admit, at first read that, I was like, are you telling me that there's werewolves now too?
2: And I first read this and my instant thought is Pokemon evolution. Here we go.
1: (laughs) You know, Charmander all the way up to Charizard here. Like, let's go.
2: (laughs) Exactly. What level do I have to get to? You know, first question (laughs) I would be asking is, how do I get my true form?
1: Yep. <laughs> and then Liet does kind of describe to achieve true forms, the Arcanist must embody the principles and the telos of the mystical creature. And I know we do get more information later on down the road about true forms as well. Yeah, they
2: they talk a little bit, but there's kind of, you know, each is unique to the Eldarin, So it's not the same. It's, it's kind of mentioned earlier that Addy's, you know, looking for a true form. You know, we don't have the details of what that, that means for a phoenix, but, you know, it's... You can only wonder what the what the traits that a phoenix are looking for and, and how those would differ as compared to, you know, protection, which would line up with being a guild master. You know, where where do you fall on the terms of the telos that you're trying to achieve? Right.
1: Well, it also makes me wonder, like, as far as, you know, do you, is it easier to achieve it by just happening upon it, or... Like, can you achieve it while trying to achieve it, you know?
2: Yeah. And there's, there's so little known about it that, you know, trying to achieve it, you could easily be working in, in the wrong direction. So it's, it's very complicated. You know, I really like the added dimension to it in terms of continued growth, continued progression, and, and kind of that master master level of, of achievement and and fulfillment.
1: So now that we've been introduced and Volk has seen the the hatchling Atlas turtle, it's got a bonsai tree growing out of its shell, because, you know, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Gilly goes to look for the medication for Volk, and Zelfry goes with her, and Volk goes all like, mission impossible to create this distraction for Ilya. He just obliterates all of the glassware in the hallways by knocking the bookshelves over.
2: Yes, it is. It is much more of a distraction than I think he was looking for. And and I can only imagine his horror when the the whole room starts to collapse and he's worried about, oh, am I going to have to pay Gilly back for all of this? You know, what have I done?
1: And then imagine like Zelfry turning around just as shocked and odd as he is. It's going full on, you know, Brendan Fraser, the mummy, you know, just every bookshelf after that one started toppling over too.
2: He's looking at it and says that's not an accident. That's a little too big to one one I could have maybe handled but all of them this this is getting suspicious. So you always get the the inkling that he is at least a suspect of of Volks doing.
1: This does give Ilya the the perfect chance to get in there and or do whatever she needs to do in there. Moving into chapter 13, Gilly gets the medication for Volk, and she puts it on him, and I guess it takes a while to, to go into effect for him since it's medication and not magic. And she starts to kind of give us more of a rundown on the arcane plague and, and kind of how it works. There's an exception to the arcane plague, and that would be like the, the man eater Elder. They actually have an immunity to blood diseases. And since the arcane plague strictly transfers by blood uh, that means that they aren't affected by it nor are they arcanists and this is one of those moments of like really because the man eaters are going to be the ones that the pirates have and the pirates are going to be like screw we don't have to worry about this
2: you can definitely you get the feel of that you know are all the bad guys going to be immune to the big play going on so it is it's frustrating to find out but it does bring this cool aspect of you know this is tormenting, you know, across the nation and, and all these elder and but there are these groups that are immune to it and and maybe, you know, Gilly said she wanted to study Wendigo, you know, and that might play a role into it is, you know, that's why they may be immune to it and might be able to help find a, a cure.
1: Right. And why do the bad guys get all the breaks on things, you know? <laughs> like they don't have to worry about catching the plague. They don't have to worry about this, you know? They don't have to
2: follow <laughs> laws
1: right they just don't they don't follow <laughs> rules they can do whatever they want gilly's just feeding zelfry drinks and because i mean even zelfry was like hey do you have anything stronger than tea and she's like yeah of course i keep i keep liquor here for you just in case you stop by and he starts to chill out and you know so get happier but and i imagine this is probably like he does every night anyways but but he's actually got a friend to sit down and talk with and they, they just sit there and start hashing out the good old days, you know, like way back when they were apprentices or journeymen, you know, before they got all big and big and important.
2: And at this point, I really wanted a chapter of here's the stories of them together. What adventures did they go on? So it's it's always one of those interactions where you're like, there's so much more to it. And I just want the juicy details because Gilly seems like such an amazing storyteller and, you know, whatever she's involved in would always be. A grand old time.
1: Well, and I feel like she'd be the one that's like, "Oh no, no, that's not how it happened. Uh uh-uh, uh, uh uh. Tell it right, or I'm gonna tell it." <laughs>
2: <laughs> she won't let any of the juicy details slip away.
1: Right. <laughs> well, then she does kind of go, uh, she, you know, goes a goes with a jab at Zelfry and you know, ask him like, "Hey, when are you gonna get married, man? Like, come on, you're getting up there."
2: And this is, you know, she's made a few comms comments along the lines she's made comments in terms of you know flirtatious and it felt like a little wink wink you know when are you gonna get married i'm i might still be interested so i i found it funny and just kind of some of the awkwardness that that you know, zelfry it, felt. it wouldn't be a bad
1: it. bad matchup right there she'd be the one busting his balls all the time and he'd be sitting there getting red in the face because of it so volk straight up bro moment with zelfry is like hey um uh, is is my is my arm is my arm okay now like can i Are we good to go and you know i think that zelfry definitely has the uh you know very great appreciation for volk for that especially because you know he just told volk that uh, he lost his apprentices previously he was involved with an apprentice previously so he probably doesn't want to have to go through any kind of any of that conversation with her
0: volk always
2: comes in and and rescues people in some of the strangest ways so i think this is just another moment of as as awkward as he can be at sometimes he definitely picked up the hint of let's switch this topic to something anything else really
1: so it, gilly does kind of move off to a different topic and she she gives Volk the like five second how to drift class for imbuing and i am so excited about imbuing like i i don't know what it is the like the blacksmithing part of me they would, would love to do it <clears throat> not that i've ever done any blacksmithing but still one of those like fascinations for me and i love that not only can you have magic like your own magic with your Eldrin, but you can create things
2: and the description she gives like it's it's not just you know creating board or a shield there's a plethora of anything that you can really create and you know you combine different magic and different artifacts from different Eldrin to get different you know powers or whatever it may be so really there's and endless possibilities in terms of you know, what can be obtained with, with the trinkets. It took me back to the childhood of pulling out the Nintendo power of like, okay, if I breed these two <laughs> monsters together, what am I going to get out?
1: If I breed a ditto and anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so we start to exit and, you know, this is several hours later. Night's already fallen and... Volk happens to see Iliad just just getting back out of the, the room that she wasn't supposed to be in. And and again, I'm I'm not necessarily a Dungeons and Dragons person. I've never played it myself, but I can't help but notice like she would be the perfect rogue.
2: She is she's got the perfect abilities for it too. She's the teleportation would just play so nicely into all the sneaking and getting away.
1: So obviously like Volk does just enough to, to keep him distracted. Um, well, actually Zelfry were actually talking amongst themselves until they realized he was there again. So, you know, Volk saves Ilya from getting caught again. So we can tell that Guildmaster Eventide is worried because she did contact Gilly before they got there. And, and this is kind of a part of the reason why I think Gilly kind of trapped him, especially with like, Oh, the medication that Volk needed happened to take some time. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an instant thing where they could just, you know, be in and out. Um, I'm sure even if it was something like that, Gilly would definitely not portray it as such, just so that they you know get Zelfry to stay there and, and kind of open up to her at least, or try to
2: open up to her. She's trying to put him in, in a situation to to deal with everything he's been through, and, and Gilly's the perfect person for that. So definitely definitely could have taken Volk herself, but felt that this was a great opportunity for Zelfry. One
1: when- I think they're they're explain expl- like Zelfry, Ruma, and Gilly were all apprenticed to the same person. They were all apprentices together, so it would definitely make sense, especially with Gilly being close like that with her and having those, you know, being able to have those stories about Zelfry, Ruma, and her, and you know, being able to just go back to the good old days of when they were young and dumb and could do and <laughs> do what they wanted to do and not really worry about it and give their their master Arcanus uh, gray hairs themselves. So. As they're leaving the apothecary, Traces actually gives Volk a, a you know quick like, "Hey, can you try to, try to talk to Elfry here? He, he likes you."
2: I think a lot of that probably comes from just respect more than anything. You know, Volk struggling with the second bonding, everything that he's willing to put up with to you know like he said, kind of achieve this life dream of his, and everywhere that he helps his other apprentices and. You know, team first mentality. So I think it's this level of respect of, you know, he is really dedicated. He wants to be here and you know, that garners a lot of respect from Zelfry.
1: Yeah. I love that Volk looks for the pillar to, to help with inspiration and he kind of has to go there with it. And unfortunately Zelfry like, Hey, have you ever had to bury a friend? Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I was a grave, diver- grave digger. Duh. Like, yeah, I've buried a lot of people.
2: Insert canned <laughs> laughter. It it just felt like the comedic relief coming in, and I I absolutely loved it. The perfect time to to give some sass,
1: right? So it's that like, i I'll, I'll, I'll let that one slide. <laughs> <laughs> so. Volk and Zephyr get back to the manor and Volk's kind of concerned because Ilya's still not back and he wakes up and I believe it was well past midnight that they actually like find out that Ilya is back and you know Thayer is the one that returns with her because Thayer wanted to make sure Ilya got back okay and Ilya was kind of explaining like that they, she couldn't teleport with the box that she had and you know it wasn't like normal wood that she was carrying so we, we're now we're like cooing over this box to find out what was it so important that we needed to distract uh, Gilly and completely destroy all of her glassware for. Her, so
2: yes, and and Gilly put the hardest protections on that room. They talk about it being locked from both sides and and everything else. So you can tell whatever whatever is in the box it better be good.
1: She said it, it something drastic is in there, and and uh, she does say that she ended up taking some King Baskillist Benin. And yeah, at first it's kind of that like, Oh gosh, this is like, it's a snake from Harry Potter. (laughs) Like what? Like, Oh gosh. And we do find out that one drop could kill a person. Seriously, not something to play with.
2: This is radioactive material. So (laughs) moving into after 14, we get Ilya setting up the plan to kill Callisto. And she says he's, at Port Crown, which is this very, very sketchy pirate island, um, and she has the Baskervilles venom, so she's going to go in and use the Baskervilles venom to kill him and teleport out. Um, and I think the first, my first thought was, you know, this is easy. We kill the Batman. This this plan has does not feel fully thought out, but she is extremely confident in it and says, you know, pretty much relying on the fact of, you know. If anything goes wrong or goes by the wayside, I can teleport. Is concerning because she just got into a situation where she couldn't teleport.
1: Yeah. Like, all all of her contingency plan is, oh, just teleport out of there. Like, you just couldn't teleport. What, What happens then? Like, I like your confidence. I really do. Kudos to you for that. However... <laughs> I, I need you to think about things just a little bit more, okay?
2: Yes, and you know, this the plan feels very rushed. You know, Volk just was just bitten recently. So, in order for Illy to come up with this, this wasn't something that has been concocted for years with dedicated research. This is something that's, you know, she's put together, um, you know, also without knowing, you know, hey, he's going to be in his environment in this pirate infested island. And and you're going to walk in there. So, you know, even if you do get to him, what about everyone else? And
1: Ilya is kind of like, well, like, look, I outran a Leviathan in the water. Give me a little bit of, you know, give me a little bit of grace here. But she does kind of break down and it was like, look, I I just want to be the hero of my own story. You know, taking him, taking Calisto down because he's the one that took my eye and killed my parents.
2: And I think this whole thing puts folk in a really difficult position on one hand, he does not support her plan, which I can fully agree with him. Very, very bold plan. Um, he's surprised and, and offended by this at the very least, you know, how could you do this after, you know, I've supported you. So there's as much as he's trying to be the voice of reason, she's is, is not having any of it.
1: I wanna, you know, you don't want to you know, help me out when I've helped you without any questions before. And, you know, she she brings up a couple good points. You know, with Ruma, you know, going along with that without a second thought, yeah.
2: and unfortunately for him, she's she's not swayed. She decides to she's gonna follow through with him. So she takes off, and Volk does the one thing that I think would be the most frustrating. He he decides to think on it for for a few hours. So he's he's got a few options. You know, does he go to Zelfry? Does he choose after her? What does he do? But he's stuck in this indecisive state, really, until the Thera brings him out of it in terms of, you know, well, you pacing back and forth isn't going to solve the issue, so he might as well find something else to do. Uh,
1: you know, he obviously well, starts to go looking for everybody else, the rest of the apprentices that he's with. And, of course, Ilya grabs Hexa and Zaxus Of, of the, all six of them, the three biggest hotheads are the ones that are going to go try to uh, c
2: And, you know, just in in are left behind, Volk goes and kind of goes to talk to them, first going to Adelgis and, you know, one walking in and and seeing right away that he has his shirt off and there's this strange discoloration lump sort of on his side that he's, you know, very quick to cover up. Um, And this was one of those things where, you know, I know we're panicking about Ilya, but I feel like we should ask a question or two about this, or you know, some something is going on there that Adele just isn't isn't really willing to speak to right now.
1: When he even asked Volk later on, when he finally does get out in the hall, you know, hey, did you see anything when you were in there? And Volk's like, no, nah, what do you mean? What are you talking about, man? It's dark in there. So I, I feel like Volk could have at least, like, hey, are you okay? Does it-
2: I won't tell, but do do I need to be aware? Do I need to to carry an inhaler around in, in case you have an asthma attack? You know, You're I'll hold your happy pen if I need to.
1: Yeah, so I think this is something that would have been been good for Volk, but you know, like you were saying, he's he's got that. You know, Ilya, Hexa, and Zaxxus are out. You know, trying to take out the pirate. You know, closest alligator to the boat at this point. Got to pick which which the priority is, rather than you know worrying about too much. I feel like he should have kept that in the back of his head a little bit. And, you know, maybe readdressed it at some point or, you know, I don't know, like an hour or two when they're on a ship for eight days, sailing out to, you know, (laughs) Port Crown.
2: He talks about having time to train. He's like, I might, might as well work on my stamina and completely forget about my friend who has some sort of issue going on. And I think this is,
1: nobody thinks to say something to Zelf. Like, again understand that this is Ilya's battle, but, like, can you imagine Zelfry's, like, you know, freaking out later that... And then Zelfry's probably like, where the hell did all of my apprentices go? And he's freaking out, especially because he doesn't meet back up with them for over a week or something like that. So he's probably like, well, they're dead
2: too. And, and this is just after, you know, he's sitting there thinking, we went through everything to save you from Ruma. Like, you know I'm on your side and I'll have your back and... I'd be willing to to go help Ilya if that's what it meant, instead of you know punishing you for for tattling on her. And I'm sure they're they're afraid of the the snitches getting stitches. But <laughs> it seems like you'd want some some little heavier firepower if you're going to go take on some pirates.
1: So we we do also get some uh, introduction to the king basilisk. If you want to pick this up,
2: yeah. So and I was really excited for this mainly because when I first googled what a king basilisk is, it's pretty much a serpent chicken. Um, so it has every deadly element you could have it has you know six talons each of which are laced with poison so one scratch is going to kill you if you look into its eyes it's a stone gaze Uh, and then we talk a little bit about you know every every attribute or or ability that the arcanist gets is along that similar lines of we're going to kill so they evoke venom they are you know absolutely sought after as a potential assassin, Um, and rightly so. And one of the other cool things that I think it brought up is Volk mentions that they're more dangerous than regular Basilisks. So this is, you know, they have one, you have the true form Eldrin, but you also have this as kind of an instance of a different class of Eldrin. So it's very similar creature, but it's just on steroids. So you know excited to see where else that kind of comes up in the series of you know what other kind of in- enhanced Aldrin are, are out there
1: it's like everything that it could possibly kill is put into a king best. yes and
2: it is it's frightening and it is amazing all in one one giant <laughs> bunch um so moving into chapter you know volk lee uh of course like I mentioned runs in, runs into the guild master and is now trying to talk his way out of why he's leaving so late. So going, Eventide kind of plays the cool parent here where it seems like, you know, I, I know you're up to no good, but I'm just going to kind of let this slide and, you know, do my own research on the side to make sure everything's okay. You know? Um, so really cool interaction with them. I think in in some of the freedom that, you know, even as apprentices, they, they're (laughs) yes. And, uh, they, the, the group, you know, Volk, Adi Adelgis, they take off to, to catch Ilya and Fortuna, um, and find out that they just miss her there. Uh, and so the next best option is they charter a merchant ship, which is really just this other, you know, how Arcanists are treated and how they're viewed by society is just an, another tier above anything else. Um, and when I first read this kind of my first image is you know they're sitting on a little like four seater canoe and and he's (laughs) he's rowing out to the middle of the lake but now this this turns out to be a merchant ship where they can you know train on it and there there is a a lot of expense putting forth for them
1: especially for how long of the trip is going to be i think they said it was eight days yeah Yeah, they're spending
2: a week a week at sea so uh and then We also get a little glimpse, um, with Volk talking with the ther about, you know, beating himself up for not going with Ilya. Probably should have done something a little bit sooner, but I'll keep that to myself. Um, and then we get Addy, you know, checking in with Volk and I really like this interaction between them because it just shows kind of another side of Addy that we don't get as much. You know, we get more and more of her personality coming through and you know, more and more of, you know, seeming interest and in, in Volk. A a a nice little chat between the two of them. And, you know, she mentions that even when he was passed out, she was checking in on him. So she's obviously very invested in, in his well being.
1: Yeah, and this is one of those moments where I'm just like, Yes, you know here here we go. You know, the the awkward unfortunate hero that we have that is just getting terrible luck that has to go through you know go through the mud every single time like finally he gets to talk to the yeah and he's not necessarily he's interested in her but he's not like head over heels like you know the way that everything else was described back on ruma and you know it's just that like okay he's finally got this opportunity to talk to her and to to get to know her and yeah. She unfortunately does ask about like why he just like deuced out at the Springs. Uh, that kind of been probably been really awkward.
2: Yeah. And, and he admits that he did it because it was awkward um, and it had nothing to do with him. He, he felt awkward, you know, with review being there um, felt awkward with, with Zax's being there. So he admits this to her and I think this kind of does a little reassurance for him. It was, Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't just me, you know, he felt awkward as well. And, I think we see kind of sort of that growth into adulthood of these, you know, two people who don't really have much experience interacting in this type of way and are trying to find their way through it, which I think is something we can probably all relate to. I don't
1: know about you, but me, 16 years old, sitting in a hot spring, you know, butt naked with a girl that I kind of liked, I'd I'd probably do the same thing, get the hell out of there, just because I didn't want (laughs) to be awkward. (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, and, and you can only picture that situation going wrong. So you're sitting there, with you, please don't say something stupid. Please don't say something <laughs> stupid. Um, I was going
1: to say, is, um, you know, and Addie does say that this is, this is kind of her sign of her rebelling against her mother's wishes. Like she said, even if her mother was there, her mother would not have allowed that, you know, she wouldn't allow her to go to the springs to bathe.
2: Yeah. And and I think that's, you know, another piece of it that we can relate to. Addie's rebelling against, you know, some of the way she was brought up in her family. And she really wants to get out, explore the world and kind of figure things out on her own and not just be boxed in by what her, you know, her parents are telling her or what her family is telling her, you know, she's supposed to do.
1: It's nice to see Addie being able to be herself, be, you know, get out of her bubble, you know, get away from her mom. You know, it's kind of like Addie's going off to college for the first time and, you know, being being out from underneath her mom's thumb, you know?
2: <laughs> yes, she is, she's getting to experience things and, you know, you can tell she's excited for it. She's She feels awkward, but, you know, she's excited to be out and, and go on her adventure. You know, we also learn, again, they've got a week together to spend on this boat. um, And Volk talks with Adelgis as well. And we learn that, oh, he's the one that told Ilya what was in the Grand Apothecary. So he knows it through, you know, some of the research that his family has done. And his family's, you know, very involved in kind of the scientific environment. So he's the one that gave Ilya that tip off to it.
1: I feel like uh, Adelgis is starting to turn into Hagrid, you know, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs>
2: yes. He's, he's very quickly putting together the, oh, she did that because of, because of what I told her. So we kind of, you know, get some more insight into the work that Elia was putting into, she was pretty much trying to gather as much information as she can, she figured out she was going to have a shot at Questo, So she was figuring out, you know, what's my best odds at, at getting there. Uh, and then we kind of get into. Some of the Volk doing his training again on this massive cruise ship that he's he's chartered and um, talks with Luther and and you know, why do we use a sword like why is that the weapon? When
1: we find out that you know it was actually Mathis that forged it and you know Volk was asking like well did it have to be a sword and Luther just says well that's what Mathis you know kind of was called to and I think this is kind of something where. Volk has a little bit of jealousy with the math. Just because, you know, it's oh, do you know, am I gonna be able to forge a weapon? And unfortunately Luthair's like, well, I mean, I've I've never had a you know, never seen a second bonded nightmare with a second weapon, so it,
2: and I thought this was a little strange because, you know, how many nightmare arcanists are there? How many of them are second bonded? How many of those have you met? So it, it felt very much you know, and I'm sure Volk took it the same way as like Oh, I I'm missing out on this. We're not really gonna explore this this option. I guess I'll just continue to use Mathis's second bonded sword that I was re-gifted for.
1: I mean, in all fairness though, <laughs> he he got like the epic level sword as a brand new player, okay? He he won the lottery here. He
2: he might have paid for the, the additional treasure drop, but uh, <laughs> Some downloadable content there that he got his hands on. Uh, and then the last piece of it, you know, there's this magical wind that, that brews in. And, of course, flying in on it is Zelfry, uh, and trying, by all means, t- to figure out what happens. Because he knows none of what's going on. All he knows is all the apprentices have left it, left the island. They've taken off. I'm tracking them for weeks now at this point of you know, trying to get up to him, and you know, going to Volk and <laughs> really asking, "What are what is going on here?"
1: I can only imagine Volk's reaction when he turns around and sees Elfrith staying on the ship, like, "Oh, crap!" Yes,
2: he's that. He's facing the, his worst nightmare at that point, uh, and and Volk kind of goes into it and explains, you know. Ilya needs to kill Callisto. This is kind of the story behind it. This is how she lost her eye. This is how she lost her family. And Zelfry, I think, not surprisingly agrees that he's going to go help. You know, he, again, has this care and love for his apprentices that he doesn't want to see him get hurt. He does not want to see anything happen to her. So even though he wanted so badly not to take on Callisto, you know, when they're at the apothecary, he's willing to flip that on its head if it means, you know, going and saving Ilya.
1: Yep. And that ends chapter 15 or ends off where chapter 15 does. All right. And that's where we're going to end today's episode. I want to thank everybody for listening today. Uh, i want to give a special a shout out to dan mackison who is our editor that has joined the team as well um you can find the podcast on podbean google podcast itunes apple podcast uh you can find us on uh we we are posting videos to youtube as well just in case y'all want to see our bright and smiling face i also want to give a huge shout, shout out and thank you to the frith chronicles fandom again because um most of the information as far as the BCR section goes um, any, A lot of the images that Dan is using for the uh, YouTube channel or as far as uh, some of the earlier uh, videos that I released that don't have actual video with, he's actually using uh, images from there, the fan art from there. So just want to give a huge shout out to the Frith Chronicles fandom as well. And you can get in touch with us on frithgillipod at gmail.com or go to Facebook and message us on the Facebook page. Scott, do you have anything
2: else you want to? No, uh, the Facebook works, um, so we're looking forward to hearing. And similarly, if you do have questions or other things you'd like to see or hear us talk about, send us a, a message. We'd like to, you know, get your thoughts on those. Sounds good. Thank you, everyone. All right. Thank you.